Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. loss for the Tampa Bay Lightning. 8.9 seconds left. Their marketing phrase for the playoffs is it's time. Well, for the first time in their franchise history, the Columbus Blue Jackets have advanced in the Stanley Cup playoffs. In the course of all of our lives, we have been wrong at some point. Maybe it was a bad investment, maybe stuck in a bad relationship, or maybe you make a wrong prediction about a sports team. We have never in our lives been so happy to be wrong. Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. One of the biggest upsets in hockey history one of the biggest upsets in hockey history, one of the biggest upsets in sports history, and it came from our plucky little favorite team that we did not think was going to do anything. We've got a full show. We're going to talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets' mind-blowing sweep of the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're going to talk about who the Jackets should face next, the Bruins or the Maple Leafs, and we're going to talk about the Cleveland Monsters who are in the playoffs themselves with a big first-round series against the Syracuse Crunch. I am Ryan Real. Joining us for this episode, we've got Elaine Shercliffe. Hey, Elaine. Hey. We've got Eric Seeds. Hey, Seeds. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Good. We've got William Chase. Hey, Will. Hey, what's up? A lot of things are up, and things are going well, I think, for all of us. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Unless you are the Tampa Bay Lightning. (laughs) Um, oh, and that's an understatement. I, I do feel bad for them. We'll, we'll get into this. So, guys, it is the biggest, one of the biggest upsets in sports history. One we all, we did not see coming. We are recording this less than 24 hours after the, the upset, after game four. So I still fully haven't processed this. What about, what about y'all? What's the mood? What's the mood here? My heart still hurts. Like, my sternum is really sore from the amount of pounding my heart did. um yeah this this hasn't set in at all i 
I thought I was being charitable on our preview podcast when I said the Blue Jackets would win two games against the Lightning. I in no way expected them to do what they did. I mean, after game one, or after the first period of game one, whatever Tortorella said was must have been like the word of God because <laughs> that team for the next 11 periods kicked the lightning's ass up and down the ice. I, I don't know how to even put into words what we just witnessed for four games. It was incredible. It was insane. What do you, what, what did you think? Will? yeah. So you mentioned torts and I've always been that torch defender. And even I was starting to cast some doubts here and there towards the end of the season with the way lineups and all that were going, but I couldn't be happier, obviously, for the way the team responded, but the torts, like, just coached the crap out of Tampa, or rather Columbus, I guess, you know, he pushed all the right buttons, um, so I'm super just, basically, I, after game one, the way that ended, I, I felt good about game two, and then, of course, I felt good about game three, and, like, Yesterday, I was like, they're going to, I mean, I didn't know they were going to sweep them, but I felt pretty good about it. Um, and now it's just a perfect scenario because they are off for a while. They can rest. They can get right. They can, you know, get ready for the next series. And uh, yeah, I mean, Wednesday, today was a great day. Uh, even in spite of me waking up to no water pressure in my apartment, it was still a great day. <laughs> everything, everything <laughs> like, you know, it was like fresh air, warm weather. The jackets are, you know, shocking the world and look legit doing it. So, I mean, we'll get into it more. But, yeah, it was a great day. Seeds, you were taking game four pretty hard. Yeah, you, you can say that. I, I did not anticipate being this emotionally invested in this <laughs> terrible hockey, in this, in this hockey game last <laughs> night. We went, to, we went out to dinner to watch the game, ended up stress vomiting at first intermission. That's yeah. <laughs> because I just couldn't handle myself. And th- but it was fine. The ga- I, I didn't feel good about the game until Artemi Panarin potted that empty netter yeah. with yeah. two minutes to go. We, we paid our tab at the restaurant, drove down to our bar to celebrate with that madhouse. Um, wow. I just wanted to be around as many Jackets fans as we could and wanted to s- see the celebration. There were people walking around with brooms. There were people. <laughs> it was it was incredible. Yeah, I, I, I took that game pretty hard, uh, but I did not anticipate I didn't anticipate that team doing what they did last night. I didn't not, I don't think any of us saw this series coming, much less a sweep. Like if you if you had told me. Before the series, Adam Clendenning and Scott Harrington were going to be playing critical minutes in the game four against Tampa Bay Lightning. I'd be like, oh, cool. We're, we're getting eliminated. And <laughs> right. lo and behold. So what you said about, and you mentioned it, Elaine, the, this is what I'm worried about for the next couple of series. And I'm going to say next couple of series because why the hell not? The physical toll on my body <laughs> and mind because like what you said, I've seen people, I've, I saw tweets of somebody who was in the arena who's Heart rate maxed out on his Apple Watch at 179 from yeah. just being there. I Isn't that insane? And I like times that by two for me because between the monsters right. and the jackets, I don't think I'm gonna live to be 34, which is in approximately four <laughs> months. Like, I don't think I'm gonna make it there. <laughs> <laughs> so there's two parts to this. The spectacle of nationwide arena. 
I, I am so happy that not only did this happen, first off, it happened the way it did, and it happened at home. To have that first playoff series be at home, to end that yeah. way in front of the home crowd, I mean, that's perfect. And to have Panarin throw an empty netter so that you know, I mean, it's still 1% or whatever, but when that empty netter goes in, it's ice. I mean, it, that is game. You have time to celebrate. You can wind down. It's not, you know, you're holding yeah, on you for the very final more. seconds. Yeah, or, or put in two more. And that's another thing. Forever, game four is 7-3. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how it goes down in the books, 7-3. I was only slight, I'm not disappointed, but my, <laughs> my score prediction was 6-3, and I thought, <laughs> yeah. oh, I got it. But I'll take 7-3 all day. So I don't think anyone was expecting that puck to go in. It's just like, I don't know, Duchesne must have some voodoo black magic up his uh, sleeve. That bounce was weird. Yeah, that was behind yeah. the red line, right? Like behind the goal line. I was like... Yeah, it was down, it was down around the goal yeah. line. My buddy was like, I, I had the under at 8.5, which is very <laughs> funny. But go, go ahead. And last, night, uh, last night's win was... Uh, 10 years to the day from the first ever playoff game for the Blue Jackets. So that's crazy. Yeah. What, what a, what a decade. Yeah, really? Oh, you know, I, I got to say this though. I mean, not only is it great that Columbus finally won a series, but like you said, it was the way they did it. And they didn't just win a six or seven game series. They dominated probably the best regular season team we've seen. And you know, the power play, I can't get over how good the power play was, even when they didn't score. I felt confident on every power play opportunity as the series progressed. They were so hard on the puck. I, I don't know which period or which power play it was yesterday, but after it, it might have been the one that they got the goal uh, overturned, but the power play ended and they were still yes. hard on the puck for like 30 seconds after that. And I was yeah. like, they're going to score yeah. anyway. <laughs> I texted a buddy and I said, I don't know if I've ever seen the Jackets. Wasn't it play beautiful? This. Like, mm -hmm. I can't. Sometimes I think about it today and I start to tear up and I think everyone at work thought I was crazy or like <laughs> dealing with something really horrible because there was a point where I was like, I just, I gotta, I'll be back guys. I have to go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I want to say it was, you know, sleeper agent Marty St. Louis who uh, came back to sabotage the lightning, but I <laughs> yeah. want to give, I want to give incredible props to the way Alexander Texier played in that series, because my word, that kid, he, he, he's played, what, five, six professional games now? Yes, five yeah. games. Six, six, he, yeah. Or six, yeah. He's six so games. good. That kid did not look out of He did not look out of Yeah, I'm sorry, Elaine. No, you're not I don't want him back. That's anyone. the thing. I don't care if people take monsters as but long as he, they play, and he deserves to play. He deserves to be there more than Wenberg does, more than Sedlak. I'm sorry. He's just too good. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Alex Wenberg has as many goals in the playoffs as Sidney Crosby did. So, you know, there's progress. <laughs> there's hope for Wenberg. Yeah, there um, you go. He's got time. But, but yeah, Alex, Alex Texier played so well. And it wasn't just that he, was, he scored goals, although, my word, his goal scoring and, and – points were invaluable in this series but he's he's hard on the puck he's hard on the forecheck he w plays in the corners he wins puck battles i mean there there's no way that kid's coming out of the lineup next year it's it going and he's going to play critical minutes for this team as far as they go it i, I mean torts had him out there with less than three minutes to go to see the game out that's 
that's awesome for him. So you guys mentioned, uh, you know, Martin St. Louis sabotaging Tampa Bay. But like, what if the best thing that the Jackets ever did was let go of Todd Richards? Because he went to Tampa Bay <laughs> and he yeah. imparted all of that wisdom onto the team. Oh, I totally forgot he's in Tampa. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because um, I'm actually Facebook friends with Todd Richards' sister just from, I guess, back when um, he was with Columbus and she was a mutual friend of somebody else. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I talked to her about it. And today I saw her comment on someone else's status and I was like, oh, man, I didn't even think about that whole lightning jackets complex of that whole thing. But yeah, I mean, I liked Todd Richards a lot, but. Tortorella was able to push these buttons the way he did and get this team to the playoffs every year since he's been there. So I guess he's doing something right. Greg Wyshynski of ESPN had a really good article about the anatomy of the lightning loss because there's all these narratives of, you know, they didn't face any adversity until the playoffs and the top line disappeared until game four. And, you know, they have these injuries and all of those are true. And so he breaks them down. But the power play, I mean, 50 percent. 50% in a series. Yeah. That's crazy. That is bad, especially Tampa. against that that penalty kill. Yeah, exactly. I do like that that Wish article gave uh, gave due credit to the Blue Jackets, too. Like, it wasn't just, oh, this is where the Leafs struggled. It was like, no, the, this is what the Jackets did to take them off their game. I thought it was, I thought it was well done. But, yeah, I, I cannot believe that the Blue Jackets power play clicked at 50% for that entire series that's absolutely just that's, unheard of. yeah i mean that's the crazy. right time to do it <laughs> yep all right better better late than never that's the thing though is that we never saw the power play ever resemble anything close to what they did the entire series against the number one penalty kill unit so it's like tied with columbus that is but i mean they were on it the entire series it's crazy and i, don't, I think tampa did they even have a power play goal in the series i can't even remember but they did. I mean, yeah, they had points one yesterday. Yeah. So and yeah. So and you know, Columbus didn't take penalties either. And in fact, there were people on That's Twitter who were they were Lightning fans, or this one guy was, but he was like, "Is the NHL ever going to call a penalty on Columbus as if they're protecting the Blue Jackets or something? Like, when have we ever had that kind of narrative going for us?" Yeah. The, right. Apparently, they got to protect the you know the little tiny eight seed, but. Yeah. Like what? What people don't realize is that, like, since Tortorella came here, the Blue Jackets have been one of the least penalized teams in the league. Like, it's just not in our mm -hmm. nature as to to take those to take stupid minors. And Tampa was pretty highly penalized all season. So, uh, I saw somewhere where it looked like if you bore the uh, penalty numbers out for the for an eighty two game season, both teams were right on like their season pace. Like yeah. this, this wasn't. It wasn't like the Jackets were getting some protection from the league against, you know, the President's Trophy winners. Yeah. Toronto and the Jackets are two of the least penalized teams in the league and these playoffs. And Najim Kadri accepted. You're talking about Tortorella's coaching job with respect to discipline. I mean, uh, you're talking about guys who, Brandon Dubinsky, Pierre Dubois, Josh Anderson, guys who in the past have not been afraid to take penalties or, you know, the, the style of play. Mm -hmm. Especially Elaine, you talked about it or you you tweeted about it, but I get scared from playing so much NHL like over the years, EA Sports, all the poke checks and sticks. I'm like, it is it's going great. to catch up with you eventually. Yeah, I'm expecting some kind of stick penalty, and and it, and it does it doesn't happen. And the Jackets, you know, are so good on the penalty kill. This is 
this is what I'm trying to explain to people because, you know, I live eight hours away from Nationwide Arena. So there's not a lot of Jackets fans where I live. So I'm trying to explain all these different things. And it is so difficult to to get across the confluence of events, all the things that, that have happened for this to happen. All of these things where it's like, oh, yeah, they didn't just eke out wins. They did literally everything right. I was tweeting to pull Bob in game one. I mm-hmm. can't believe they didn't. Um, Same. The power play is cooking. You know, Riley Nash <laughs> is out here scoring goals. Dean Kukan, Scott Harrington, all of these guys are blowing up. You got the rookie. I, I where the hell Wait, did all of this come from? This team, Don't know. It, it's in, it's insane. Like, but see what happens when everyone else steps up. The key players in the game can relax and not get tired out. And we saw what happened. We swept the number one mm-hmm. team. When you're rolling four lines and that line, that, that bottom line with Dubinsky and Nash and, and Jenner, like the, the defensive zone usage. I mean, barely anybody else started in the defensive zone except for those guys. And it worked. Um, it's obviously in history, it, it's, uh, it's similar to Montreal knocking off the Capitals and the Kings knocking off, I think, the Vancouver Canucks back in uh, 2012. But I think about the Nashville Predators over the Blackhawks just a couple of years ago, an eight seed just crushing a one. And the Blackhawks were just utterly just lost. And that's kind of what it was with Tampa Bay. I don't feel bad for Tampa, though. Like, I know some people do, but their fans underestimate us. The coach was kind of like no big deal. And so were the players. You can't, in hockey Mm -hmm. especially, you can't go into the playoffs thinking that you already won before you played game one. So they put it upon themselves. I don't feel bad for Tampa Bay at all. Um, I mean, Credit over to Rochards; those guys have been great. But I just i I think the I don't feel bad for the uh, fans who you know thought this was going to be an easy sweep. They're going to win every game eight to nothing, and the Blue Jackets shouldn't even bother showing up. That's just I I don't you know the Jackets have been the little brother and kicked around for so long. It's just it's nice to finally be on the other end of this and to see teams to see fans of another team that just won the President's Trophy saying stuff like you know. It's embarrassing to be a Lightning fan. Like, come on, guys. You know, Blue Jackets fans would kill to have won 62 games in a season. They almost I mean, did there, a couple there's, years there's ago. Year, <laughs> there's years where the Jackets have won, like, half that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, early, the, early, two, the, the <laughs> early 2000s were a dark time. So with that early 2000s thing, I was, I was telling another friend, all of this pain and misery was, like, forcefully ejected. You know, it's not yeah. like one, one, one playoff series. It kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. Not one a playoff series and, all right, wow, that monkey's off the back. It is <laughs> the most, I think I said to Dan Parker, <laughs> like karma barfing, just everything out. Everything, all the pain and misery is just, just it forcefully ejected. Yeah, and last incredible. night was some incredible catharsis. <laughs> catharsis, Dude, I slept so word. well yeah, last night. You. Like, I literally, I was going to stay up and work on previews and stuff for the monsters. I sat down and I passed out and I woke up and I felt so good. I was like, are the blue jackets really affecting my sleep pattern that much? (laughs) Yeah. I've got the, I've got the Toronto Boston series on right now because obviously we have our next, our next opponent and Boston is currently leading this game two to nothing. But um, like, it's incredible to just be able to watch this game stress free because I feel like I've had a weight on my chest the last seven days because of the blue jackets and they were they were winning the series like playoff hockey is going to end up taking years off of my life 
Yeah, I can't. I can't even imagine another overtime. I mean, I can, but I don't want to imagine another overtime game, particularly if the team is tied or trailing in the series. At least if they're up a couple of games, maybe overtime wouldn't be so stress or uh, so stressful. But I'm glad Columbus was able to take care of it all these these past four games in regulation. So, Will, you said take care of it. That's another thing that blew my mind about this series is the way Columbus either grabbed a lead. And, and, and that was just the article that mentions how grabbing a lead, the Jackets never did that during the regular season, so they were able to foreshack and play a little bit better uh, in the neutral zone. But the way they came back, like I think we all kind of expected in the back of our minds that third goal, it's like, okay, it's 3-3, like here comes Tampa, this is going to be a thing now. And then Bjorkstrand scores a minute later. They did that all series. They never looked you know, lost or out of it or like the other team had its momentum back. They never looked like that. Even in game three, the third period, I mean, they, they hung on. It, it's one thing to expect it like we do, and that's another thing for them to not do it and not do it every single time. I, I, I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, I have, I have no idea. This team showed incredible poise, incredible mental strength. They answered every challenge. Like you said last night, when, when, Tampa, when Tampa tied that game last night, not only did they score and equalize, but they had drawn a penalty. That was, done, that was on a six-on-five delayed penalty call. So yeah. even if the Blue Jackets didn't score, they were going on the power play. Like, the Blue Jackets, their, their response was incredible last night, or last night and really the entire series. And that, that's, the, that's the sign of a team that is well-coached, mentally prepared. You know, the moment isn't too big for them. I really think they learned a, they learned a lot of valuable lessons last year. When they yeah. fell down, when they when they lost that Washington series, and they kind of let it slip away from them, because and without you know a ton of pushback, um, game four obviously when they when they got blown out last year, um, Washington came out and punched them in the mouth, and Columbus had no answer really for the rest of the series. Yep. Right. La- last night, Tampa last night Tampa Bay punched them in the mouth, and they could have you know wilted under that pressure, and they they responded. As right away. best as as yeah exactly, I think I think they've learned so many lessons. This group really is they've found a way to win, and they've they they've they are learning how to win. It was it was always going to take them winning a playoff series or showing up in the playoffs for me to ever take them seriously as a contender. I would give uh, you know Felino so much crap for the stuff he would say, and I like Felino the player, and I I get it. Like as a captain, what else is he going to say half the time? But it was just to me, it was just hollow rhetoric, whether it was him or almost anyone else. But finally, I mean, I know the, series, the playoffs are still a long way to go, but they showed a lot. They, I don't know, it, it's almost like they, they flipped the switch. I mean, they, they've won 11 out of 12, won back to the Edmonton game. It's just they had never done this before. So they had to prove something to me, and they did by not just showing up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, but in sweeping them, but playing so, so like, sound solid hockey the entire series so you know they, they've they proved a lot to me you know what's really weird to me to think about is there are 10 year olds who are columbus fans who have high expectations of the team because in their memory which is only like five years all they know it really is like success wow god i'm old we saw the fact that seeds talked about where it was 10 years ago was the first playoff game and seems pretty rough <laughs> but i guess if you're i mean but yeah. that's a, that's that's what you're talking about is a generation completely different one behind us wow yeah. 
All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some guys in particular. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome back. I want to talk about a couple guys. First, though, I am so happy for, for all the Columbus fans and seeing that scene at our bar and nationwide and being a game three. It makes me so happy. And I'm also really happy, like weirdly more happy than I thought I would be about the players like Cam, like seeing mm-hmm. Cam's face in that postgame interview or seeing how happy Matt Duchesne is, even though he's only been on this team for like he's only been on this team for like two months two months seeing yeah. How, yeah seeing how happy he is and, and guys like you know anderson and bjorkstrand who played for the monsters who came up and I, I i did not realize how happy i would be for the guys who have been with this organization for a long time and, and seen seen this through the hug last night the hug was great mm. uh, that there was there mm. you could tell there was a lot of emotion on a lot of things a lot of unspoken things that went into bob and felino at the end of that at the end of the game last night. But yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly happy for so many guys on this roster, guys who've been through struggles, been through heartaches, been through playoff misses, been through playoff disaster. You name it, the blue, the, the, there's a lot of guys to be happy for. I'm also really happy for Bob because, Will, you had a really good article about why he, why he has been instrumental in that at the time it was a 3-0 lead. But... The thing with Bob for me is that he played really well for Columbus when he got here. And then remember he had the Olympics where, you know, he got victimized in the shootout. And so Bob Mm. needs to get better at shootouts. So Bob got better at shootouts. And then it was Bob gets injured. And I know those are a little bit more more random, but he worked on it. And now Bob doesn't get injured anymore. And then it was Bob sucks in the playoffs. Bob wants out. And now Bob's a monster in the playoffs. So the way to watch his career over the past, you know, eight years and, and what he's done and how he's improved at specific deficiencies in his game is incredible. And I mean, it, they're, it, he is a yeah. huge reason they're, they're through, if not the reason. Yeah, Bob definitely proved something as far as, you know, he wants to be the big guy, the big money guy. Well, he's going to get that anyway. But more importantly, he showed up when Yeah, I was so impressed with him. You know, I was ready going into playoffs to be like, that's it. Just play Corpusalo and give Bruce Lickens a chance. Maybe throw Kincaid in there. You know, I was like, just let Bob sit. <laughs> he came out, like, especially in game two and beyond, he was just so phenomenal. I didn't even realize that I was watching Bobrovsky. Right. Yeah. No, Bob, Bob played excellently in this series. And I think a lot of that has to also... We also have, we should probably give some credit to the defensemen in this series, particularly mm. Jones, Warensky, and Savard. Those guys yeah. lost this series from the blue line. Seth Jones and Zach Warensky played like 26 minutes a night every night. David Savard was he scored he scored that goal in game uh, game one where he just turned Victor Hedman inside out. 
And then he played lockdown defenses on whoever he was asked to match up with, whether that was the Sorelli line, whether that was Braden Point, whether that was Stamkos. Those three players particularly were incredible in this series. And the the Blue Jackets showed a video this or put out a video on YouTube uh, on the morning or yeah, this morning where they um, they had Seth Jones wired for game three and you got to hear all his audio in the game. And he just seems so incredibly happy after game four or game three that how could you not be happy for him? That's awesome. Also, it doesn't hurt that his mom was in the crowd. This is a clean podcast, but when he yeah. said they got effing nothing, I felt that. Yes. I felt yeah. that. I, 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 yep, yeah. Right in the soul, man. Right, right, in, the, right in my soul. <laughs> I, th- I think it's great that not only did Tortorella, I mean, you know, he, maybe in some people's minds, he, I don't know, I won't say redeemed, but, you know, he, show, he, he showed how great of a coach he can be, you know, in the playoffs for sure. And, um, I think it's funny though that uh, he won the only uh, Stanley Cup in Lightning history, and then he's the reason, one of the reasons, you know, behind the Blue right. Jackets to uh, knock them out. So it's kind of funny, right? And I, I mentioned Matt Duchesne. three goals and four assists in four games, plus five. I mean, come on, nobody expected that from Matt Duchesne, right? I mean, theoretically, when you bring him on the team, yes, you expect that, but you know, given the Listen, end of the regular I... season, but. This might be one of the only times you hear this, but I like layoff Matt Duchesne. I am not a fan of regular season <laughs> Matt Duchesne, but I am riding the playoff Duchesne train. <laughs> <laughs> I think regular season Duchesne will be good when he has the right team and teammates around him, which it could be in Columbus. I mean, it looks like it. I hope it's in Columbus because, man. Agree. He... He played incredibly in this series at both ends of the ice. His, his forecheck was great. He was great on special teams. He set up several goals on the power play. He, he was everywhere on the ice, and it was noticeable when he, was, when he took shifts. It was truly special. He played, he played well. I believe he now is one. He's got like – he has uh, the most assists ever in a – single game for a single playoff game for the blue jackets and the most points with yeah, uh, three and f- with three and four like that's incredible so yes please resign matt duchene pay him all the dollars <laughs> yes seconded elaine i was curious about you you know from the monsters perspective to to see these guys who have come up through the system and because well, everybody talked about bjorkstrand's you know had the game winning goal in game four and then, of course, had that goal in the Calder Cup playoffs as well. I mean, it, it's it's cool to bring in guys like Duchesne and, and free agents and trade deadline guys, but to, to also so develop those guys. Them. I feel like a mom, <laughs> like watching her children grow up. Um, <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just so nice to see so many of them from that Calder Cup team succeeding and playing on the Blue Jackets during this playoff run. I. I don't know if I thought anyone but Berensky would definitely be on the jacket as a strong role um, after that Calder Cup win, because usually they dismantle teams and send them to other organizations, but the Jackets knew what they had 
and they they held on to it. And as much crap as I talk about management sometimes, I will say they made a lot of good choices in keeping guys like Anderson and Corpusalo <laughs> and Rowenski and George Strand around. I was just about to ask if Josh Anderson was on that Calder Cup team. I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and also a fun fact, uh, since since he left Michigan, Zach Wierenski has uh, won a Calder Cup and never missed the playoffs. See what happens when you come to Ohio? Wow. Yeah, he did get his face broken in the playoffs, but... Yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Will, I wanted to ask you about Yarmo, because Elaine just mentioned management, but everybody has really given Yarmo a lot of credit for the yeah. way he handled the trade deadline and the way he kept Panarin and Bob and and brought in Duchesne and Duzingle. But it's somebody also made the point, you know, two points, two regular season points, and they, they don't make the playoffs at all. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up too because I was actually just texting a friend about, you know, we're both, we're both fans, and he would have preferred probably the team sell at the deadline versus taking a chance and missing and all the rest. So I was like, all along, I've been like, you know, this team has never gone for it. Just go for it. And yeah, I like, I like Yarmo. I like JD. I like the front office. I think that they make pretty good, you know, draft picks. And this isn't the, the Blue Jackets of 10 years ago where it seemed like we squandered so many first round draft picks. And, but again, draft picks are just that. And we're at that point where it's like, okay, are they going to go for it now? I thought I didn't know this team, especially going up against Tampa. I thought they were they were done, but once they were when when they were going for it, I was like, they may not be a team that can win the Stanley Cup or even get there. But I thought they could at least make a run the second round or maybe the third, the Eastern Conference Final. So I love how Yarmo went for it, and it's I mean, yeah, you're a genius when it works, and you're an idiot when it doesn't. And so <laughs> far, so good. So I'm, I, but you know, regardless if they missed the playoffs or not, I'm glad he went for it. I'm, and I also thought maybe Duchesne would want to stay. Maybe the Zingle would stay. I don't know about Panarin and Bob, obviously, but I, I thought maybe Duchesne would see enough to say, "Hey, I want to stay here anyway." No, I thought I thought Yarmo was uh, should get a lot of credit for what he did. Um, the Zingle didn't have a ton of co- uh, contributions in that series. Uh, at least not offensively. I'm sh- his defensive contributions, the whole teams cannot be overstated. But du- the Duchesne trade was great, and I really hope it leads to more active trades in the future. GMC, like, oh, the Blue Jackets made this, made these two moves at the deadline. They were bold and went for it, and it worked out. They beat Tampa Bay. <laughs> I mostly just want more fun trades in hockey, so I'm hoping that happens. And regarding Panarin and Bob staying, I'm not. I, I don't think that'll happen, but. Agree, yeah. How great was it after Game 3 when Jody Shelley was talking to Bob in the post-game interview and the crowd just roared? You know, they, he asked Bob about playing in front of this crowd. And just Bob's face was, I mean, even if he leaves, you know, I'm glad that considering if the Jackets missed the playoffs, like I said on this last episode, you know, his last nationwide appearance would have been getting yanked in that loss to Boston. And instead, he's soaking in adulation from a huge playoff win. Yeah. It's incredible. And I'm so happy that it happened that way. Or is happening. It's good to see. Yeah, it's good to see. I think he deserves it. Absolutely. He does. Moving on to the next series. Who do we think? It's Boston or Toronto? We polled 
jacketscanon.com and we had as of right now over 450 votes and it's 71 percent toronto maple leafs that is who cbj fans would like to see yeah i think a lot of people think of toronto as tampa light in that they're a high scoring high flying offense their defensive core is obviously not nearly as good as what the Lightning boast. Now, granted, the Lightning were shorthanded a little bit. They didn't have Strawman and Victor Hedman only played two of the games. But I think I agree with that. I'm, I'm not really sure it matters at this point. The Blue Jackets just beat the Lightning. I don't think they're going to be intimidated by anyone they would face. But I think Toronto might be a little bit better matchup just because Boston also plays... Boston plays that big, heavy game. You know, they've got a pretty good defensive core. They could theoretically run the same thing against the Jackets that the Jackets just did in the Lightning. So I don't really think it matters, but I think if given a choice, I would prefer the Leafs by a hair. Yeah, I don't know if I prefer anyone just because I don't want to, I mean, it doesn't really matter what I think, but like, <laughs> obviously it's like, oh, I want this team. And then it's like, okay, I thought that they would contain them or beat them, you know, whatever. It's like, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm trying to watch the series and get a gauge of kind of each team. They haven't played Toronto since, I believe, right right around Christmas was the last time they played them. And so obviously they haven't seen the Blue Jackets with their big guns and playing as well as they are right now. They played Boston pretty well with the exception of the last game against them, which is, I believe, the only loss since that Edmonton game. They won 11 out of 12 since the Oilers lost. But, yeah, that's right. Well, um, I think they're... I think they're capable of beating. Obviously, they, they can beat anybody. They just proved that. So, match, you know, as far as matchup wise and what might be a better matchup, I'm not exactly sure. I do kind of, I can see that whole um, Tampa light thing with Toronto. And they're so, no, they just scored a goal. It's two to one now. But um, yeah, I don't know. The one thing with the, with the Leafs, though, is I, I think, you know, Frederick Anderson's our goalie, right? I, he doesn't really scare me, and I mean, that's nothing against him. It's just, I don't know. I, I feel like Columbus would be able to have some... There's their scoring. I think their scoring options would be a plenty in general. But um, I was just going to say, I, I wonder with Toronto, as far as Nazem Kadri, he's suspended for the rest of this series. But that would be an interesting thing just in itself, because whether it's Anderson, Polino, um, whoever, Dubinsky, oh, he, he'll, make his, he'll find his match there. Right. How, and how interesting would it be to see a uh, center matchup between PLD and Austin Matthews mm. and uh, John Tavares and Matt Duchesne? Yeah, for sure. For me, it's a, a little twofold for why I want the Maple Leafs. I don't think I can handle a series against the Bruins for more than like one or two games because, like Seed said, they're very hard hitting and a little aggressive. I feel like every game would end up in a ginormous fist fight. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also, if the Monsters make it out of the first round and the Marlies make it out of the first round, they'll play each other. And so then we would have the two farm teams playing each other again. And as a writer, that's a story I would really like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to see Brad Marchand for any longer than I have to. I kind of want to see it. Yeah, I, don't want him, I don't want him trying to lick Torch or something. <laughs> uh, torch would eat him. 
<laughs> I don't want to see that. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. So, Elaine, you mentioned the Monsters, and we talked about the Calder Cup playoffs earlier. It is Calder time. The Monsters will be facing Syracuse in a best-of-five starting this weekend in Syracuse, and then next Tuesday they will be back for Game 3 at the at the R, at the Rock. What is there a short name for it now? Everyone's supposed to call it the Rock. Um, I'm probably going to keep calling it the Morgue because it's short for Morgan. <laughs> Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's great that's so much better it's such a weird name change i i'm not used to change i uh i still called it the dud for a really long time (laughs) (laughs) i just got used to calling it quick and loan the q now we're supposed to call it the rock which is fine whatever (laughs) i like the morgue (laughs) (laughs) so uh they they made it in. They won that last game, and they're in. They're in. I in February I wrote them off. I said there was no way. I just couldn't see it. I'm so proud of this team and the way they've played, the way they've handled themselves. The past eleven games, it's been watching a different team play. They're very confident. Mm-hmm. They stop playing frantic hockey when. Um, in the game on Sunday against the Marlies, they went up 1-0, 20 seconds into the second period. And then the Marlies tied them. It didn't even bother them. It didn't phase them. They didn't try to fight anyone to turn momentum around. They just kept playing their game, amped it up a little bit. And the next thing you knew, by the end of the period, it was 3-1. to one. And then by halfway through the third period, it was 5-1. to one. So... If that team continues to show up and continues to grow, this playoff run is going to be insane. Yeah. <laughs> and you went to Toronto. I did. And you're it, going to Syracuse, right? I am going to Syracuse. Um, it's fun to watch them play on the road because Coach Madden made note in a few postgame pressers at home, the team just plays differently on the road. They play a simpler game, more clean. Um, they don't get too fancy. They don't try to put on a show for everyone. Watching it online, I, it just didn't translate that way to me. But seeing it live, it was so apparent. Just the feel of the team was so different. They just came to play. They didn't came. They didn't come to impress the fans, to give the fans a show. They just come to play. So for me, I feel like if they can get up 2-0 on the road, Coming home, they'll have to keep doing 
that style of play or else Syracuse will just dominate them. So I would I I believe that we can go up 2-0. The question is can they win it? Well, it sounds like, you know, Syracuse 102 points in the regular season. And it sounds like similar to the Jackets the monster just kind of got their act together. Yeah. And everything came to I mean everything kind of gelled. It did. And the only difference with this series, though, is in interviews I've seen from the Syracuse Crunches coach, he has made note to say what kind of team the Monsters are and that they will not be an easy team to beat. So they're going into that game mm. knowing that they have to bring their A game. They're not coming into it the way Tampa Bay came mm. into it. Um, so it's probably good for them that only Cameron Gantz was sent down to the crunch a little bad for us but <laughs> mm. um right. <laughs> right but we've beaten them twice this season we split the series with them so it's it's very possible they are beatable and i think that's what excites me but also it scares me <laughs> because we mm. are very beatable i have seen it <laughs> and we do it in dramatic fashion sometimes and We've been to like 21 overtimes, I think, in the regular season. So there's no way we don't go into overtime at all during this playoff series. Because I think the Jackets just like be off of that stress. <laughs> I mean, the Monsters. I think the Monsters feed off of that stress. See, they have me in a tizzy just thinking about it. <laughs> I'll be I'll be praying for you because it uh, sounds like you got your hands full. <laughs> But at least the Jackets aren't playing this weekend. At least the Jackets just wrapped up their business, so you only have one thing to focus on. Exactly. Well, watch them, like, I don't know, watch them sign someone, or I don't know, watch them do something crazy while I'm in the middle of the game. And then I'll be right, right, yeah, right, right. splitting my attention. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing. We haven't talked about Gavrikov much, but that, that was something that kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. Yeah. So the Jackets might add a defenseman in the playoffs? Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't expect him to come over this quickly i figured he'd be next season type thing and yet now there's talk that like they're getting his work visa ready and he's probably gonna slot right into the lineup in round two like okay if and then and then and then murray has been skating new Devara has been skating and or hasn't i guess he hasn't skated but hopefully he um hopefully he can get back so then we could theoretically have Jones, Jones, Warensky, Savard, Nudavara, Murray, Gavrikov. I mean, that's a pretty good, like, defense. That's court. crazy. That's that's, yeah, that's really, really good. It's a bold move to uh, have him come into the lineup. I mean, that could really hurt, or it could be a good thing. It's it's definitely very Yarmo in JD. Yeah, well, um, there's two other Russians on the roster. He'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking at first, I was thinking, wow, that'd be nice to see Murray come back after all this time and have a chance to still play. But And then I was thinking he'd probably be higher up than the third pairing. But after all the time off, it probably would be better to kind of ease him in a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I really like the chance of you know having this week or so to get ready for the next series, all the rest, and... People can come back from injuries. Maybe even McQuaid will have a chance to show. So I don't know. That's another big body and a former Bruin if that were to play out that way. So 
Um, I'm hoping that any guys that are banged up are able to rest and come back sooner than later. All right. Well, I think that we are approaching our time. We'll go around final thoughts in just a minute. I do want to note that Gavrikov signed a two-year deal that starts like now. So I guess they, they might as well play him because they're, they're paying him. He's, this is one, this is first year of his contract. So Yeah, they're, they're burning his ELC like they did Elvis. Right, right, right. Which this is the new jackets now. This is the Yarmo JD jackets, like Elaine mentioned. Just <laughs> bring them in. It, it's, it is funny watching. Like, I always try and watch in the background of when the, the players come in from off the ice and see all the guys in suits. And uh, I mean, you can see, you know, Nudavaro and Murray. And, but I, I love looking at the guys like Peak and those guys just kind of taking this in. It's neat. Yeah. Okay. Final thoughts. We'll start with, uh, I don't know, does anybody want to go first? Yeah, um, NBC is currently praising Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski right now. This is pretty awesome to see. Um, <laughs> I just want to, again, shout out the yeah, just like NBC, I want to shout out our defensemen because those guys were incredible. Everyone, everyone who played on the back end for Columbus did their job. I mean, Adam Clendenning probably didn't expect to play in the NHL playoffs, and he slotted right in, and the defense didn't miss a beat. He played well. The entire defensive core played well, and they made Sergei Bobrovsky's job as easy as it could. This, this series actually happened, and it's just unreal to think about. Yeah, uh, I'm just very happy that everything went the way it did. I mean, it was a perfect storybook scenario that we never would have envisioned, and why would we? But I'm glad it happened. I'm glad they could prove me wrong because it was going to take a series, like I said earlier, it was going to take them to just do what they did for me to buy in more. So to think, wow, they have a chance. This is this is a good team. But I'm also just really happy. I kind of felt like a redeeming uh a bit of redemption, I guess, for Tortorella and Bob, but especially Tortorella, just because so many people are so convinced that he's the wrong coach. And I don't know. I know it's one series, but I think you saw what he just did with his team against John Cooper and, you know, the lighting were so great all year and Tortorella just played chess to his checkers and the team responded, of course. So credit to everybody involved with Columbus. I'm kind of having like a Jesse Spano moment about playoffs <laughs> for the Monsters and for the the rest of the for the Blue Jackets. I am so excited, but I I am so scared because we all know what both of these teams are capable of. They're capable of greatness, but they are also capable of a dumpster fire. <laughs> so, and those are tough games to write about when when you've seen such beautiful play. It's tough to write about a dumpster fire style game luckily for the monsters though they have i know i didn't talk about it earlier but i really want to give a shout out to like Derek brash he came in from mercyhurst the same time that texier came to the monsters and i had no clue who he was at all he's been nothing but solid for the team and he's he's a smaller guy and can take hits and he just communicates so well with the team. It's so nice to have another young forward on the team. So take you guys taking up Texier, in my mind, didn't hurt us as much as it could because we have barashed seven. So I'm excited, but I'm scared. Well, I'm looking forward to reading all of your Monsters coverage on JacketsCanada.com uh, this week, this weekend. And um, you were not happy about Texier going up, though. 
I, I can't find the Slack I messages, was, but I'll, I remember I was them. mad because I thought they were going to sit him. I thought they were going <laughs> to sit him, and I was so angry. I was like, how <laughs> dare you take him just to sit him? Like, I sounded like a total hockey mom. My mom was like, holy, <laughs> calm down. I was so angry because I thought that they were going to sit him. When they said he was playing, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, he belongs there. Like I said earlier, one of my biggest pet peeves is when they take players who mm. are good, don't play them. Because I'm like, come on, like take a bad player up so you can just have a body. And then if someone actually gets hurt, send that bad player down and then take the good player <laughs> up. And then he got the Cappy in game four. Right? Oh, so. I, I, he, he is so, I don't want to use the word, I mean, he's a full grown man, so I don't want to say like sweet or cute, but I just love <laughs> seeing his interviews, you know? Because he does look like a 12-year-old, and he does apologize for his English, which he definitely does not have to do because it's very good. <laughs> he speaks better English than half the Americans on our team. So, <laughs> <laughs> so my final thought, to be a Columbus Blue Jackets fan is to kind of like toil in ignominy where nobody, you go to somewhere, you go to an airport or a bar and oh, I'm a Packers fan, or oh, I'm an Ohio State fan, or oh, you know, I'm, I'm a Patriots fan. Sure, everybody knows what that is. Everybody understands that. You say Columbus Blue Jackets fan outside of, you know, Columbus or, or outside of hockey circles, and nobody knows who you're talking about, ever. And it's been like that for 20 years, and that's fine. You grow used to it, you become at peace with it, and it becomes like kind of a badge of honor, kind of like getting into an indie band or that kind of thing, like a weird card game, like this is my thing. And, and if you find somebody who knows what the Blue Jackets are or knows a little bit about them, it's an instant bond. And it's kind of like a, a, a little badge of, of coolness. Like, all right, this person's in my circle now. This person's not a total doofus. They're on Center. They were on NPR when I got in the car to leave work today. Wyshynski was talking on All Things Considered what? about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I, I, don't know, I don't know what world I'm living in today. And I love it. It is the weirdest <laughs> thing to have my coworkers like, oh, yeah, I saw they won last night. Like, that is insane to me. That never happens. I live in South Carolina. Nobody follows hockey and nobody follows the Columbus Blue Jackets. I love it. I have no idea how this happened. I did not think this day would come. I certainly didn't think it would come with this team that we watched all year do this to that team. So I said on this podcast, when they made it in, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm just going to enjoy it. And I, <laughs> I, it was one of the best, best nights of my life. So that is my final thought. We don't know how this ride is going to end, but I, I, I am so happy that it's going like this. I'm so happy that we can be a part of this and we can, we can share this with other, other Columbus Blue Jackets fans. We're out of time on this episode. We will be back next week talking about the Blue Jackets who still have playoffs to play. And they have a second round against the Bruins or the Maple Leafs. And we will know more next week. In the meantime, please share this podcast. Please tell other people about it. If you liked it, please leave us a review on iTunes or on Google Play. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. And we will be back next week on JacketsCanon.com. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>